0: Welcome to episode five of the Mixtape podcast, the podcast dedicated to deconstructing the films that we love from a screenplay writer's perspective. On tonight's show, we'll be discussing the um, 2008 film Twilight, directed by uh, Christine Hardwick and written by Michelle Rosenbaum. I'm your host, as usual. My name is Marcelo Rosa, joined by my own personal spider monkey, also uh, my own personal Buddha, as far as it comes to screenplay writing, Dean Stark. And as we do every week, uh, Dean is going to take us through the film, sort of scene by scene, and sort of just walk us through it. So with all that out of the way, Dean, you want to start us down the path of this amazing movie
1: you know how much I like correcting you and I'm gonna do it again so this movie is directed by Catherine Hardwick you were close you did say Christine you were close but it is directed by Catherine Hardwick based on the novel Twilight by Stephanie Meyer I want to preface this by saying I am a horror writer I love horror I'm very morbid in some ways and, and in other ways I'm not I fucking love the Twilight movies. I may be obsessed with the Twilight movies. I have read all the books. Uh, I, have, I own all the movies. I don't know what it is. I just love it. And people find that very weird. They're like, but you're a horror person. Ah, oh, yes, but I'm also a Twilight person as well. So with that being said, let's get into it. So this is the story of Twilight, which was released in 2008 by Summit Entertainment. When Bella Swan moves to a small town in the Pacific Northwest, she falls in love with Edward Cullen, a mysterious classmate who reveals himself to be a 108-year-old vampire. So I want to start with the opening scene. I... Since I first saw this in the cinema, I always had an issue with the opening scene because I didn't get it. I think they were trying to be artsy. So for people that don't remember, the opening scene is basically Bella talking about death and dying in the place of someone that she loves and saying that that's probably the best way to go, which, you know, she's not wrong. But it starts out a bit like, oh, that's deep. Like, that's a bit like, oh, that's a lot for an opening sentence. And the whole scene is a deer running in the woods and it's running away from something and then right at the end you see someone jump out and kind of grab the deer and then it goes into more voiceover by Bella and she's in Phoenix and she's moving from Phoenix to Washington to Forks, Washington, you know, with her dad, blah, blah, blah. But the opening scene with the I don't know it didn't it didn't work for me it didn't show anything if that wasn't in it I kind of I don't know for me it didn't put anything into the story what about you
0: I thought the opening scene and the last scene were nice bookends to the film I really identified with this movie when it first came out um because I'm not the biggest vampire person on this podcast right now and for some reason like you this movie just hit me in a picu- in a particular way and when i watched it again for this podcast i remembered why and i just want to point something out here it's really nice to watch a film with cohesive storytelling uh considering considering what we went through last week so i found the voiceover from Bella really, really useful and unique throughout the course of the film. And for me, that's saying a lot because, you know, I hate voiceover. That's so interesting because, yeah,
1: I'm an advocate for voiceover and he is not so it's funny how the kind of the tables of the tables have turned <laughs> because i didn't like like it look it was exposition that we needed because the book is like way more detailed but we kind of needed to get into the movie because the movie is 2 hours like i get it i just thought it was a bit a bit dark and dreary for um an opening scene and i never i never liked it the scene that i do like is the next scene with um Bella and Charlie in the car so this movie is great at showing not telling so she's in the car with Charlie he's in his uniform he's in his car so you know okay he's a police officer he's a police chief you know that straight away nobody has to say anything and it's a really awkward scene supposed to be between them so you know okay they don't spend a lot of time together they're not close but they used to like but they're still kind of father and daughter but you know i mean it's just brought up by the way he goes oh you cut your hair like they just don't know what to say to each other and that it's a really really awesome dynamic that by the end of the film it does get better and subsequent on the subsequent films it it's really really good um but the scene between them in the car is awesome because it just shows. Okay, they're awkward. She can't really talk to him about anything. He's a police, so he's going to be. He's going to look at things from a very police officer's state of mind with all the stuff that she goes through. So I really, really like the dynamic that it it showed, and it also showed um, the town of Forks. So it showed it's dreary, it's rainy, it's cloudy, it's dark, it's not a fun place, there are no beaches, there's nobody having fun, everybody's kind of in winter coats and so you're like this is, it just it sets up the entire tone of the
0: film to me. Did you kind of catch that? Yeah, did. Um, I did. I thought that from, from, from a very, very early outset, the director did a great job, as you said, show, don't tell. And I particularly like that scene that you just mentioned with Bella and Charlie in the car. There is loads of history in just that one scene. And you could tell that Bella is possibly annoyed or possibly looking for a way to connect mm-hmm. with her father. But mm-hmm. because of their past history and what they've gone through, she's unable to do that. And with me, dealt with that in my own life with certain family members. So I identify with Bella's with, with Bella's uh reactions in that moment and her and her subsequent re, uh, uh interactions with her father throughout the course of the film because that to me just brought just you know you know just brought me back to when i was a teenager trying to trying to connect with certain people in my family but not being able to for reasons just let's say
1: yeah it's a really great scene for people to connect with with the uh the whole family dynamic so after they're in the car they enter bella's house and i never noticed how bitchy this this line of dialogue is but it's so bitchy so they enter the house they go upstairs and charlie says i've cleared some shelves in the bathroom and then bella goes all right one bathroom and I'm like, what, what, seriously? <laughs> what do you mean? Of oh, I only have, I've only ever had one bathroom. Like it's a luxury to have more than two bathrooms. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I felt like that line came off bitchy. I don't know. You probably didn't think so, but I thought it was bitchy.
0: Like, Oh, right. One bathroom. It's like, listen, <laughs> you're lucky to have a bathroom. No, as a person who, uh, who has been living in the same place for almost 15 years, I have one bathroom. So I know what that's like to deal with that. So. Like you, I found that to be quite bitchy and quite, uh, quite abrasive and quick. But again, you know, Bella's being, you know, she she's being thrust into a new situation. She's very, very, you know, uh, she's very, very monotone and very, very one note. But I love the way that Kristen Stewart plays it because a lot of people. I'm just going to go off just for a second. A lot of people complained about how Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson uh, played these roles. But I love the way that Kristen Stewart just mono- is just sort of like monotone throughout the course of the film. She seems almost like disinterested. But the minute that Edward comes into the picture, a part of her just wakes up, which, which we're going to get to, I'm sure. But I really like her performance throughout the course of the film.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. I know a lot of people shit on shit on her, but I I think it was I think it was good, it was perfect. Look, as someone who's read the books, it is true to form. That is yeah, who Bella
0: is. Yeah. Uh This might surprise you. I re- I've uh, read the books too. <laughs> <gasps> Have you? Oh. Yeah. Wow. Read yes. The books
1: too. Yeah, so you know. So you know it's the same. It's the same fucking character. So she's playing it how it's actually supposed to be played. Yeah. So the next scene is we meet Jacob in a really bad wig but don't worry folks in the next film the wig comes off but we're not reviewing that film we're reviewing Twilight so we meet Jacob and then the weirdest thing happens which I never caught before Charlie bought her like this old ass truck that looks like it's about like fucking 20 years old first of all she's happy I don't know what 17 year old would be happy if they got that like truck that looks like it's fucking falling apart so that's one I'm like I don't know and then she gets into it and Jacob says um you have to double pump the clutch and I'm like what so on top of that which no 17 year old would be happy about getting it's a fucking stick shift (laughs) and look I don't know about America but here we don't it's not common to learn to drive a stick shift in America is that what you learn on to get licenses or do you learn on well, an automatic
0: no well if you can drive stick it's uh you know you know it's uh it's you know it's like a it's like an extra tool in your tool belt if you can drive stick it's easier for you, it's easier for you to drive in automatic but I can really relate to Bella's reaction sure it didn't it it kind of didn't make sense that Charlie would do that. Uh um, you know, based on how their relationship is at the start of the film. But I think that Charlie was just trying to give something to his daughter as an olive branch. And as a screenplay writer, I'm willing to let that one go and just and just sort of just sort of like sort of head candidate in my own head that. Bella knows how to drive stick, or I would have had Jacob teach her how to drive stick throughout the course of the film. I think J- Jacob as a character in this movie is vastly underused. But with that being said, that's not my biggest problem, you know. But but the long and the short of it is, if you can drive stick, it's easier to drive automatic. If that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. I just don't, I just don't know why a seventeen-year-old girl would know how to drive stick shift. Right. It would have made, I mean, look, it's not a, it's not a huge thing, no, but I was not. just like, yeah. But on the truck, I really love when she pulls into the parking lot because if you look, I love the way that Catherine directed this. If you look at the tones Catherine uses, the director in the film, everything's really dreary. And then here comes Bella in this bright red truck and it's the only thing that's colorful. Everything else is darker toned. Did you notice that?
0: Yes. Color tones. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And it was just, it was, it was, it was a brilliant, um, uh, what's the word? It was a brilliant touch that that contrast, she did right? contrast. yeah yeah contrast that's the word that's what so moving on uh we see Bella and she's awkward she can't play sports she's indoors playing like volleyball and then we meet Mike and Jessica yeah um in the gym I love Jessica I I <laughs> she's <laughs> she's like the comic relief she's hilarious she's passive-aggressive she gaslights Bella a lot she does it in a funny way she doesn't do it in a bitchy way she doesn't do it in a way that you hate her she does it in a way that You like her. Now, she says something really funny. She goes, aren't people from Arizona, like, really tan? And from someone, and usually people would be like, oh, yeah, shouldn't they be tan? But I actually know someone from Arizona, and she's white as fuck. (laughs) So, no, Jessica, not everybody from Arizona is tan. Actually, a lot of people in Arizona actually do have Kristen Stewart's complexion. Weirdly enough, they do. But anyway, I really, really like that saying because it introduces Mike, it introduces Jessica. The next scene is the big one. It's the cafeteria scene. It's where we meet the Cullens. Here come the Cullens is what I wrote in my notes. So Jessica and Bella and Mike and a couple of other students are having a chit-chat and then Bella notices these people walk in and they've got a kind of like an air about them and Rosalie and Emmett enter first and then Alice and Jasper and then the big reveal of Edward. I... I mean, look, I'm just going to say it. Robert Pattinson is gorgeous. I mean, he fucking just is. I mean, even now as Batman, he's fucking gorgeous. And when I saw him in Twilight, I was like, oh, my God. He looks like Edward. Like, A lot of people had an issue with him being cast. Oh, he's not Edward. He's not Edward. But as soon as he walked into that cafeteria, as soon as that camera went on him, I was like, oh, the camera loves you, baby. (laughs) The camera absolutely loves you. And I love that scene. I love that it was slow motion. I loved how Catherine filmed it. I just, there's nothing that I don't love about that. It's just, you know what? As far as dramatic entrances go, that's pretty fucking dramatic, but in a good way.
0: Yeah. um, The only thing that I could hear in my head when Robert Pattinson entered the cafeteria, uh, I guess this is my fault because I'm in the film Nerdosphere. When Robert Pattinson was announced as Batman and these fucking morons didn't know what a fantastic actor he is, all they would say is, Twilight Boy! Twilight Boy! And I'm like, you idiots! Mm. Robert Pattinson is a fantastic actor and once the movie comes out, you guys will be you guys will be throwing shit at his feet to play Batman forever, but that's neither that's neither here nor there. I love how the scene is directed because um, Edward is Edward is the last one to come in and as he comes in, Bell um, Kristen Stewart as Bella, sort of just turns her head slightly and just stares at him and I'm like, I'm like, you want to eat him, don't you? So I'm like, oh yeah, I want to eat him. Um, <laughs> we all want to eat it (laughs) so so i love the way that that scene is directed but i really i mean one of my favorite scenes in the film is when bella first goes into science class and she steps in front of a fan (laughs) it's a fan yeah and the fan blows her scent all the way to edward and i love the way that robert pattinson plays the the disgust look and i'm like motherfucker you just got your first hit of heroin didn't you (laughs) and i'm like i'm like i fucking love this because again because again the writer of the film could have done it a different way but like you said a lot of this film a lot of their relationship early on is show don't tell and as a screenplay writer that is really really important for you to do when telling a story Yeah.
1: You could see straight off, like there was a problem because how many other people would have walked in front of that fan? The teacher would have walked in front of the fan. And I don't think he had that reaction, but with her, it was just like a visceral, like I'm going to puke right now. Like I just like, he'd eaten like somebody's shit or something. Like that's what it was. It was so dramatic and it was so like extra on the, uh, on the next level, but it had to be Because of what he explains later on when when we get into the movie. But I thought that that was a really good reaction. And yeah, again, a perfect example of showing don't tell. I like reviewing Twilight um, in the order that we have because we're reviewing a movie that's actually written like cohesively, not like last week's movie, The Forest, (laughs) which made no (laughs) fucking sense. So this movie actually makes sense and and it has character arc and it shows it doesn't tell. Like it actually, it's got everything in it. So yeah, I think this is a good sort of offset to the movie we did last week. So let's fast forward a little bit in the story to a caf- the cafe scene. Now, listen, <sighs> you know what I'm going to say. They, Bella and Charlie, they sit down. They have this really yummy food in front of them. Nobody fucking eats. I have a real fucking problem with actors that don't eat. You've got this food in front. Look, I get it. It's cold. It's from 10 days ago. It's expired. I get it, right? But you're an actor. Make it fucking work. Make the shit work. If there's food there, oh my God, I would be, I would be in, my face would be in the food already. I'd be like, can't talk eating. But it's just, I don't know. I don't, I get they put it there to have like an air of like authenticity, but actors never fucking eat. If I see an actor eating food in a movie, I'm like, the fucking Luya. The director knows what's going on and the actor knows. Now I get they have to do about 20,000 takes, but you're an actor. You choose this. Don't say that you don't. You choose it and you choose everything that goes with it. So please, actors, eat the fucking food. Agree, disagree?
0: Agree. Then excuse me. That's what spit buckets are for. <laughs> if you people, if, if, when actors choose to eat, when, when actors do a scene revolving food and the director wants them to eat the food, they'll do the, they'll do the take, they'll eat the food, they'll press cut and then right beside where the actor's sitting, they'll have a bucket and the actor will go, poof, set up and let's do it again. That's, that, that's what spit buckets are for. But when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, I knew, I, I was like, this is going to piss her the fuck off.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about the spit buckets, but to be honest, that would that would make me puke. Like if I was chewing on food and they were like cut and I spit it out, I would puke. <laughs> I would have to just eat the food. I couldn't I mean, even even listening to you talk about it, like I want to fucking dry heave. Like just thinking about people spitting out half chewed food, it makes me sick to my stomach. But yeah, that's pretty gross. But again, you're an actor. You got to fucking do it. So anyway, after that scene, uh, Bella's in her room talking on her phone to her mum. Her phone is fucking weird, and the way she's holding it is fucking weird, and she never hangs up the phone. It's a it's a nitpick, but every time I watch this movie, it it looks like she's holding like a deck of cards or not a deck of cards, but it looks like she's the way she's holding her phone, and it doesn't look like a phone. It looks like something that should look like a phone, but it's not. Do you? I mean, look, did you notice that, or is that just me?
0: No, I did notice that, and the, and the best I could surmise is that she would she had the phone on speaker. Phones aren't phones weren't like pho- phones aren't as good as they are now. So, and and the phone that I think she was using was like a Razer, Nokia, or something like that. And oh. I'm like, I'm like, are you like? Do you really want to hold the phone that way? Like, <laughs> it, it was kind of funny because she she had her she had her hands sort of twisted and the speaker is towards the butt of the phone.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Phones. So I'm yeah. like, what are you doing? Like like Yeah, I didn't get know. it. <laughs> you know, you know, that's neither here nor there. But I also I also love the way that Kristen Stewart played the scene. Because when they first start talking, Kristen Stewart, uh, as Bella, is willing to tell her mom about her day. But the minute that it gets to something that you know, Bella considers too much, she just turns off. And the way that she sort of just sort of disregards her, her mother, when she turns off, it's something very, very similar to what I would do when I was younger and I was presented with a situation by someone where I just didn't want to, where I just didn't want to deal. So again, that scene brought back memories, just, just that, one little moment of her going, okay, mom, I can't deal with this. I got to, I got to go. Which is not even teenagers. Like
1: everybody does that. If they don't want to deal with something, they're just like, oh, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> so yeah, that scene is really, really quite relatable. The scene after that um, is where we kind we see someone getting chased, but we don't see who it is yet. So it's the, the bad guys are going to get introduced later, but it's sort of showing that, Hey, there are bad vampires um, around and this is going to be a problem for um, Bella, Edward and everybody Everybody in the script. But like I said, they're not introduced just yet. So we go back to school and Edward's in, in class and uh, Bella sits next to her and then he starts asking her, like, all these questions. And usually I would sit there and be like, that's exposition. But the reason it wasn't exposition is because later on we find out he reads minds and hers is the only mind he can't read. And so he's asking. It's a really great way for to get a lot of information out really quickly to the audience without, without going, oh, this is exposition. Why are you telling us, not showing us? In this instance, it's okay to tell us and not show us because it integrates into the plot, not like last week's movie.
0: Yeah, the uh, the screenplay writer of this film really ran into a goldmine when it was put in the book that uh, Edward can't hear Bella's thoughts because that is like a free path to use exposition and have it explained in, in the context of the script. So that was really wonderful, but that's not my favorite use of exposition. My favorite use of exposition is coming up um shortly and I'm sure we're going to get to it.
1: Okay. The other thing I really like about that scene in the class and when he's asking her questions is the looks they give each other. Now Catherine has filmed it very obviously. So it's like you can't miss it. She doesn't want you to miss the looks they're giving each other. So she does extreme close-ups of Kristen and um and Robert. screw. Well, it's, I'm sorry. I, no, well, I, didn't. okay, I did not get that. It wasn't that. It was like, I'm madly attracted to you, but I don't know why. Like, it was confusion as well. It was like, you're really hot. I I like you. I don't know. It, yeah, it was a mix of attraction slash confusion. And like, they don't know where to go or how to handle it or how to move forward, which is very, very teenage angsty. I mean, even when you're an adult, you don't know how to do it. But, yeah, I didn't get that, but I got the attraction slash sort of confusion thing. But, look, on a side note, if I was a 108-year-old vampire, the last thing, the fucking last thing I would do is enroll at high school. I would rather eat fucking glass.
0: To defend the Collins' choice to, you know, go to Forks and enroll in high school – Edward, when he got turned by Carlisle, was 17 years old. So he is permanently stuck at that age. So with that in mind, I could see how he could want to eat glass. But again, there—I mean—there has to be a point where he goes, he goes, "Fuck it! I don't want to do this anymore. All I want to do is, for lack of a better word, kill a bunch of people, have sex, and just do that." for eternity because I cannot deal with this high school bullshit anymore. So I kind of agree with you on that, but I kind of see it the other way around.
1: Yeah, but he's, he's done high school when they go back to his house later on, he's done, they've got the hats. So he's done high school for the last hundred years. He's been a high school student. Now, is there no way for one of them to, to doctor, like a social security thing to say that he's 20 <laughs> like, so he doesn't have to fucking go to school. I mean, there are ways he doesn't we have do. to go to school. He chooses to go to school, but I wouldn't do it. I, I, school? <laughs> no, I would again rather eat glass than go back to to school. So anyway, moving along in the story, we're at the parking lot. We're at the parking lot. Bella is not paying attention. Bella is listening to her thing, listening to her earpods, um, earphones, uh, reading a book. And Edward is staring at her like a fucking psychopath. It's psycho. He's just standing there staring at her. Listen, if you haven't learnt subtlety in 108 years, you need to just step into the fucking sun, okay? Because, like, oh, my God, it's just so annoying. Like, seriously, be subtle if you're going to... Listen, to the men out there, maybe it's to the men out there, when you stare at a chick and I see you fucking staring, not at me, but I see you staring, right, all the time, and I'm like... Either you don't know how to be subtle, or you just don't care. So there's a way to be subtle, and there's a way to be obvious. But I just think it's a guy thing. You just don't care. You'll look. You're like, I'm gonna look at this chick's boobs, and I don't care if she sees. Honestly, is a guy thing. Is it or is it not a guy thing? Uh, do you just not like being subtle, or you just don't care?
0: Well, it depends. If you really like the girl, if you really like uh, the the girl it's very hard for you to think of anything else. So I, when, 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 I was young and I liked the girl, what I would do is I would look past them, right? I yeah. would look at them, but I would look past them. I wouldn't look directly at them. And I would just feel this sense of excitement. I would just feel this sense. I would just feel this sense of excitement just by knowing that I was sort of looking at them, but not, but, I cannot defend Edward's <laughs> creepy, Psycho. you know, um, you know, um, dumber kind of thing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like,
0: you, you don't stare. And the other thing yeah. that really pisses me off, and this is the part that I want to get to, I don't like the way that Bella's sort of friends are characterized in the script. They are there, but they're not there so i'm like if you're not gonna use these characters effectively like okay okay if you want to if if you want to if you want to use them choose three of them have them be an integral part of the plot and have them be involved with the shit that is going to happen eventually but throughout the throughout the twilight films to me they're just there to be there they don't have much to do which is disappointing to me because i do like some of them i like I love, Anna, I love um, uh, Anna Kendrick in a very early role, especially, um, I think we passed it already, but the, 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 the part where they're all sitting in the cafeteria and they're thinking of things to write essays about or something, and Bella mm-hmm. goes, oh, you should talk about eating disorders. And the camera pans over to Anna Kendrick and she just has this <laughs> look on her face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, so, so I really didn't like the way that the screenplay writer handled that aspect of the film. And that's why I find her friends to be annoying and unnecessary. Well, I have a different point of view because her
1: friends actually push the plot of the story forward. Mm-hmm. She meets Eric and because she met Eric, she sat with them. And because she sat with them, she she got background on the Cullens. So her friends actually gave her information that she wouldn't have Nece- had, necessarily had so they actually pushed the plot forward and for the audience gave the audience like what we needed to know but right. by telling bella they gave us what we needed to know and at a scene coming up when bella goes to get the book um and then edward shows up the only reason she's there is because they're going dress shopping and she's like oh so she went with them so again they push the plot forward and there there are a couple of times where it's like they are necessary to push it forward like for example There is a scene where Edward doesn't show up to school for a few days because it's sunny. Um, Bella asks Jessica, where are the Cullens? And Jessica says, again, giving us much needed information, they don't come to school when it's sunny. And so it's like, oh, and that also puts it in Bella's head, pushes Bella to realizing that they're actually vampires. So there's a lot of stuff in the script that they say and they do and especially in the subsequent movies that actually have a lot of information for us but also for Bella. Yeah, I think it's uh, that just because the background characters really like they're not it's the story's about Bella and Edward. I mean, that's it. That that's not about anybody else. So every other character is kind of spinning in their orbit around them, but it's not about them.
0: Look, I understand I understand what you're saying and I, and I completely understand where you're coming from, but you know me. When I write scripts, I like to use I like to use all my characters very, very effectively. So I don't like putting in characters into scripts, even if I use them to push the story forward. Here and there, you know.
1: Yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying. Um. But again, like I, yeah. If if it's based on a book and you kind of want to stick to the book, maybe you had to you had to do that because. Yeah, they couldn't have had a bigger part because then the movie would have been like five hours long and right. you, can't, you can't take them out of it because they give integral information. So I, I don't know. For me, I thought that they were in it perfectly, but obviously for you, you didn't. So, yeah. Um, moving along in the story, uh, the car, she's in the parking lot, Edward's staring at her like a psycho, and then a car comes. And look, I paused that and I slow motioned that the angle and the way that the car comes at her is unnatural. <laughs> okay. First of all, they're in a parking lot. Why is he going so fast that you can't go that fast in a parking lot with kids walking everywhere and there's cars. And second of all, the car is actually coming sideways. Like it's, I know that it's like slippery and stuff, but I don't even know, like, how would you even do that? I, I don't know. I, I, I understand they did that for a reason, but I, like, I don't want to say aesthetically cause that doesn't make sense, but like, Uh, It just doesn't make sense the way that the angle that the car came at Bella. It doesn't make sense. It got clipped.
0: It got clipped by the other car before it started coming towards Bella.
1: Yeah, but it came. Yeah, but it came so fast. Mm -hmm.
0: No, and the other thing, look, look, and the other thing that's really stupid and doesn't make any sense, right? Mm -hmm. Edward basically has, you know, you know, quick speed, right? Are you telling me that nobody saw him? you know yeah, you know yeah. i'm like what like 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 are all are all the people in the fucking high school blind
1: maybe he's like the flash and like he's so quick nobody saw right
0: him. yeah that's possible because we don't um, know how quick they are right 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 um but you know i i i thought it was a good scene and it was a, um, a really good scene to sort of put bella on edward's case and to have her continuously ask questions until she figures out what, um, Edward is. And the thing Mm. that I love about it is Bella does research. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh um, I, uh, (laughs) I have a, I have, I have someone in my life who is a psychotic researcher. So when that happened, I just had a smile from it here. I'm like, Oh, she's going to love this. Yeah. And we'll get to the research (laughs) thing. which listen when I write
1: movies my hero always does research always 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 nobody ever tells my hero anything my hero figures that shit out because that's the whole fucking point anyway moving along the story next we meet Carlisle Cullen um the (laughs) the nitpicky thing I have about this scene is when he's shining the light in Bella's eye and he's holding his finger up and he's saying look can you look at my finger and then he does the same with the other finger look I'm not a fucking doctor okay but the point of holding the finger up is you're supposed to move it and you're supposed to see if the patient follows if they can follow the finger right but he never moved it he just held it up and so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know has he never been to a doctor like has he never had that done I have I think everybody has but yeah look
0: it's a little nitpicky scene.
1: But I thought that it was a bit. I was like, move your finger, just move it. It'll be more realistic if you just move your finger.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you know, uh, again, again, that was just like, kind of, I, I let that one go. But the the thing that I hated was the, was the friend that, you know, uh, almost hit Bella with the car. I <laughs> I didn't like the way that 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 kid fucking. I'm like, really, just just shut up. You almost hit a girl with a car. Shut up. But he was so apologetic. I felt so bad for him. It felt so bad. Yeah, yeah, but the, yeah, but I, again, I, I would have handled her friends differently, and I think that's what really mm. bugged, the, not not a lot of not a lot of things about this film bugged me because I connected I connected with it the way that her friends were handled really bugged me. So I mean, it's a it's it it it's a it's a continuous nitpick. But, yeah, it, it, it just really bugged me. But the other thing about Carlisle, um, not knowing that he was supposed to, you know, actually move the finger is kind of understandable. Kind of, maybe. But, yeah, I could.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, he's like 200-year-old he's like doctor and he doesn't know to move the fucking finger. Yeah, no, okay. But oh, is,
0: yeah. No, 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 but the thing is, you need to let me finish. It's kind of understandable, but it's not because he's 200 years old. He should know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, moving on, the next scene
1: is Bella rushes out, and they Bella and Edward have this conversation. Like Bella's like, "I know you stopped the car," and then he starts gaslighting the shit out of her. You don't know what you saw. You're making it up. That's not real. And I just, it bugged me because he gaslights her a lot. And that is such a toxic trait. Like when someone does see something and you're like, you didn't see what you think you saw. Oh my God. It's so annoying. Like I understand why he did it. I just, gaslighting shits me. And like for him to do that to her, I mean, she wasn't, she's smart enough to know that what he's saying is absolute bullshit. But the fact that he thought that he could get away with it was just like, God. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no i don't you know you know i um when when he gaslighted her i'm like motherfucker you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna start backpedaling as quickly as you can because this this young woman is smarter than you think so that didn't play well for me either from a script perspective like i would have i would have had him say nothing just absolutely nothing to her and just and then have her figure it out by doing your fair part of the movie research so yeah but i didn't i didn't like that either i I did not
1: yeah um i think yeah i think maybe he should have said nothing and just walked away and yeah i think that probably would have been would have been better uh so moving on the next scene uh i really like again and it's a great uh it's it it shows again the screenwriter is not inept and it's she's not inexperienced. So Mike asks Bella to the dance in the parking lot and you see in the background behind behind Mike uh Edward is standing a little bit far away and he's again he's doing that psycho staring thing. And it's you kind of sit there and you're like what the what the fuck like why does he keep doing that? So after he gaslighted the shit out of her now he's fucking staring at her like I don't know he look in another hold
0: dimension, up. he could be a serial killer. Well hold up, hold up. I just had a thought. Edward mm. has been 17 forever, correctly? Correct, right? Yeah. Yeah. So is it is it possible that this is his first relationship ever? Is that why he's <laughs> acting like this? Yeah,
1: it could be. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it could be just inexperience. But again, if you're 108 years old. Shouldn't you have learned something? <laughs> I mean, you have siblings that are in relationships. Shouldn't you have learned something from them?
0: Right but right but in, uh, but really, you know, you know, depending on the, you know, sibling dynamic, you you don't really you you can't really um you don't really know what to do until you're thrown into the deep end of the pool. And as someone who is learning how to navigate those waters in a different way. I can sympathize with Edwards. Well, I can't sympathize with his, with with his behavior because it's just Domery like, and it's dumb and stupid, but I could simper, I could sympathize with him, not knowing how to, how to handle uh, a potential relationship with someone that he likes, even that he's like a, like, like 200 years old. So I could sympathize with him to a point. But yeah, no, on. I agree. I agree. I agree. I sympathize. I
1: sympathize with him to a point. But speaking of points, uh, he was watching. He was kind of watching them like a psycho. And it's not until later that because she says, "Oh, I can't go to the dance with you, Mike. I'm going to Jacksonville." And later on, he looks at Bella and he goes, "What's in Jacksonville?" And she's like, "What?" And so the audience now knows. Oh, he's got super hearing. So there was a point to that scene and there was a and it was like a learning thing. So again, the screenwriter has done something they've shown us. They haven't taught what well, they told us, but they showed us, hey, this is what he can do, and then it sort of came back in the script. Yeah, so
0: yeah, no, no, no. isn't it but but just just I just wanna I just wanna give the screenplay writer some credit. Isn't it wonderful when you do setup and then pay off? The game is simple, people. It's not rocket science.
1: <laughs> setup and payoff is my favorite thing. I yes, mean it could be on. subtle or it could be big. A set of payoff is is great. I mean yeah, you can't just have a character do something or say something out of fucking nowhere. I mean I guess you can.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean no. Would be no, shit. no, no. No, I mean you can't have a character say something random, but the, but but it's very very important for you to have them say something random for a point. Everything that you do in a script has to have a point and it has to be driving towards something. It can't just be there to be there. Yes, I absolutely agree.
1: So the next scene. Okay. So let's talk about the random buffet in the middle of the cafeteria. This is where we see the apple scene where Bella drops the apple. We don't actually have cafeterias in Australia. We've got canteens where we can buy food, but we don't have cafeterias. Now you have to fucking tell me the random buffet in the middle of the of the cafeteria that only fucking serves salad. Is that a thing?
0: No. Absolutely okay. not. No <laughs> fucking way.
1: Because I have seen American cafeteria food and salad ain't on it.
0: No. No that no, that's not a thing. In my in my high school we had chick's fingers, pizza, but yeah. you know, that that section was quartered off away from the cafeteria. You know, it was part of the cafeteria, but it was like in the In another section, it wasn't like smack dab in the middle of the fucking cafeteria. Yeah, I was like, that's so weird. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so no, thank God, because I was like, I that's from everything I know. I was like, that is like, yeah, fucking. You know what? You listen. Just let's just divert one second. You know what I'm like when I see American TV shows or movies that are set in high school and they're in a cafeteria. And the kids are eating like tomatoes and celery and like lettuce. And I'm like, that's not real. That's not, that is a fact. That is a fantasy. That is not, I know what they're trying to say, but what the fuck? It's like two pieces of lettuce and like a little cherry tomato. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's fucking, that's more fantasy than fucking anything. Anyway, sorry. I've diverted. Let's get back to the script. So I really like the next scene. It's the beach scene at La Push, and Jacob's there with, with his friends. And it, this pushes the story forward. This is when we get – this is when we take a leap in in the story, um, and it pushes everything. So we get information from Jacob because he's talking about his Native American tribe, and he's talking about the Cullens, and we get a little bit of, bit of backstory on um, – the the dynamic between the Cullens and and the Native American tribe and 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 then Jacob says, well, it's just a story, so he doesn't believe it, but Bella does. Bella's like, oh, with everything she's sort of seen and heard, she's like, that kind of sounds like a a thing. And also, we get information that the Cullens are not allowed on his tribe's land, and so I was like, oh, okay, so this pushes the story forward because um, oh no, hold on. There's a scene in between of when we're finally introduced to James, Victoria, and Laurent, um, or Laurent, and they're torturing a victim and we finally see the trio, which are the bad vampires, and I really like them. Look, do I think James looked a bit cheesy with his shirt off and his man bun? Yes. Mm -hmm. Did I love Victoria with her big red hair? Yes, that was awesome. Did I think Laurent was awesome with his dreadlocks? Yes, I did. Um... Could they have done James a little bit better? Yes, but overall, I really liked how they designed and made the villains, the bad vampires look. What say you?
0: Yeah, they were they were fine, you know. They they were they were a little bit better than discount Walmart vampires. Um but again, you know, I but uh, this first film really really is about Bella and Edward and like my co-host said, Everybody else in this film is sort of circling their orbit. So with that aspect and with that in my head throughout, the, throughout this conversation, I am a little bit more forgiving for the weak villains in this movie because I'm like, you know what? I could have just watched this movie for the relationship, the relationship between Bella and Edward and the history between the Coens and Jacob's family. I didn't even need the fucking vampires, but I understood... I didn't need the fucking bad vampires, but I understood why it was there. So I thought it was all right.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, if it was a standalone movie, it would be flimsy, but it's not. And all that storyline that's set up in the first one with the villains, it it it's spread over three films. So it's basically just a setup, which is why they're not in it much. Whereas in New Moon, Victoria is in it away. a lot. Yeah, she's in it a lot and she's the main girl yeah. and she's fleshed like it's beautiful. And then in Eclipse, you know, she's the main one again and she amasses troops and she wants to kill, do you know what I mean? So it's all, it's subtle in the first one, but then it it gets to it by the time we get to Eclipse. So I get what you're saying. If it was a standalone, it would suck. But if you if people realize that it's, it's, a, it's an arc that goes over three movies. It's actually
0: quite good. Because watching this movie, like it just brought back so much stuff for me uh, when I you know initially watched it back in 2008. I, I really really want to watch this trilogy again and look at it and look at it through the eyes that I have now. I think I'm gonna appreciate it more. not to say that I didn't appreciate it when I initially watched it, but I think I'm gonna appreciate it more now as an as a as a a adult and a different person
1: i think for me i i to be honest i did not enjoy watching twilight taking notes um it took me completely out of the film and it took everything i love away from it because because for you, you 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 watch the film but for me i take like mass amounts of notes and i'm constantly pausing it and writing down and looking for things and going okay yeah. let's talk about that yeah. so it it just it ruins it for me uh, on you go what else you got so we're up to my favorite scene it's the bella doing research on what jacob said <laughs> i fucked that up let's try that again don't take that out though i love when i fuck up it's we're at my favorite scene it's the bella doing research on what jacob said scene i finally got it out Uh, so she's doing mad research on the internet she's she researches his tribe and in researching his tribe she comes across a book and in coming across a book she finds a bookstore the only bookstore that has this book she marks it down she wants to go she needs this information from this book and then we get to um it pushes the story forward right it like full on it pushes it forward so then we hear that Jessica and uh, – I can't remember the other girl's name. What's her name? The other girl with the um, glasses?
0: Uh, it's not Alice. Um, oh, God, I totally forgot. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, yeah, I totally forgot. I, I don't know. I got, I got nothing.
1: Anyway, so they say they're going to this town that has this bookstore and Bella's like, oh, my God, I'm going to come with you. So she goes to this place and, listen, when they're trying the dresses on – Bella's such a bitch she's so uninterested she's not even looking she's like yeah it's great she's like writing in her book yeah it's great she's not even looking at them like if I was Jessica I'd be like why are you here like (laughs) and she's like oh I just really want to go to this bookstore and I'd be like well fuck off then like what the fuck are you here you're not looking at me you're not helping like, you want to go to this bookstore. That's the only reason you're here. Fucking go to the bookstore. Stop <laughs> seeing you being depressed. Uh, okay. I don't know. It's just fucking, oh, it was so fucking annoying. <laughs> it was so fucking annoying. So anyway, anyway, <clears throat> she goes to the bookstore. She gets the book. She leaves. It's at night. She's by herself. She gets, starts getting harassed. Edward shows up, um, rescues her, and then... And then they're in the car and he's all like fucked up because he can hear their thoughts and he could th- hear what they were wanting to do to her. And she's confused. She doesn't know what's happened. And then we get to the restaurant scene. The restaurant scene, um, I like and I don't like, okay? There's a few things I like and I don't like. I like the restaurant. I like the way that it was filmed. Um, the ambiance of the of, of the way that she shot it was really, really nice. The waitress's haircut. Can we just fucking talk about that for two seconds? What the fuck is that hairstyle? Tell me. You saw it. And you, you can't not see it. It was right in the middle of the frame of the fucking camera.
0: Mm-hmm. Cruel and unusual. That's what I
1: <laughs> It looked like someone died on her head. Poor actress. This poor actress that had to go in for hairstyling. And they're like, you know what? let's do something different. Let's do something fabulous. Let's just go all out. She's like, let's do it. And then like, you know, it's like one of those TV shows where they're like, you haven't seen it yet. And they turn you around. And I reckon she looked in the mirror and went, fuck, is this what we're going with? (laughs) This is what I'm going to be remembered by. The waitress that has that fucking weird, weird, Fucked up fucking hairstyle. This is what she's gonna be remembered by. But anyway, it's not that I didn't like it. It's just that it was just like such a weird haircut for a waitress to have. Like I know waitresses, they don't like that's yeah, that's like I've just come back from the
0: salon. Anyway. Yeah, I know. Um this this whole scene really had an effect on me when I watched the movie the first time, and it had an effect on me um now because this scene, this diner scene inspired me to write a similar scene. And I actually took what Bella orders for dinner, and I put it in my script. So this scene actually really uh, uh, rings true for me, and, and and just brought me back to when I was structuring that particular script. So um, I did notice the hair this time, and I was like, "Girl, what's that on your fucking head? You gotta, go, you gotta, you gotta go back and you know bleach <laughs> yeah. that shit or or fucking sue the... The, the hairdresser that did that for you but yeah they, i don't yeah i don't know why. yeah but they this scene this scene really i i like the scene because this uh because this scene inspired me to write my own scene in particular huh. and giving giving my character the same thing that bella orders was like a tip of the cap to to, to twilight
1: yeah yeah no that's really really cool really really cool So speaking of what she ordered and didn't fucking eat again. So she orders mushroom ravioli, which is fucking yum, fucking yum. And it looks yum, right? Delicious. So it puts, she puts it down and Bella's so, oh my God. Okay. Listen, side note. I'm a big, I love food. I love food. Sometimes I think I came to earth just for the food. I love food, especially pasta, ravioli, mushroom ravioli. Fucking get the fuck out of here. Right. I love it. And the look on Bella's face when she puts this beautiful ravioli, mushroom ravioli in front of her, it's so disinterested. And I'm like, (laughs) how disrespectful to that food. She doesn't even pick up a fork. She's just looking at it like it's like a pile of fucking puke or something. And I'm like, oh, my God. And again, she doesn't fucking eat it. She doesn't eat it. My face would be in it. I would be rubbing my face all fucking in that ravioli. I'd be like, Edward, babe, you're gorgeous. Hold on a minute. I have to eat food is more important than you. Like, I I, I just, I, I, the, the not eating thing gets me. It gets no, me. No, and, like, no, it gets yes, me.
0: the other thing, the other thing that you could have done is that you could have used Bella eating the food as a way to, uh, as to, as a way to heighten up the sexual tension between the two of them. Like you could have shot it when Bella's eating and you could have, you could have focused, you could have had Edward's POV focused on her eyes and her lips. It was, You could have have done something really dynamic by her eating the food, but again, for some reason, um, the director of this film, whose name I got fucking wrong, um, didn't choose to... Fuck me. uh, Didn't choose to do that, and it's kind of just like a wasted moment, so to speak.
1: You know why you got the name wrong? Because you didn't do research. (laughs)
0: can we just move on now i can't take this
1: anymore okay i have trivia uh we're not at the trivia part yet but i'm gonna say trivia in between so in the restaurant scene the song playing in the background is actually rob singing that's his song so if you want to just just quiet it down a little bit and listen to it that's actually his song in the background okay Mm -hmm. moving on from that scene so another one of my favorite scenes is bella doing more research so she's reading the book she bought and it shows there's pictures and it's showing keywords like cold ones, pale faces. And she's like, oh, hold on a minute. And then she's saying she sees everything in there that super strong, can't go out in the sun. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she she figures it out. And she's like, okay, okay. And this is a brilliant example of screenwriting, of good screenwriting when the protagonist mm-hmm. figures sure, the shit out on their own. And everything that led up to her actually figuring it out was plot pointed in the story. It wasn't just thrown at you. It's like, where the fuck did that come from? Everything led into everything else. And I absolutely loved it.
0: It's perfect. It's perfect. It's 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 like it's like throwing hats on the ground. And then by Bella doing all the research, it's like Bella had a big string and she put the hats together. It was just brilliant. I had absolutely no problem with that because it just worked.
1: Yeah, it was a perfect example of of how to move a plot forward by showing, not telling, and having characters help the protagonists sort of maneuver them into the, uh, into the right direction. Yeah. So the next scene is the big scene. It's the big scene of the movie. I know I said the cafeteria was the big scene, but I lied. I'm sorry. The big scene is the confrontation in the forest scene. That is the big scene. So – Bella kind of looks at Edward, walks past him. Edward's face, Ed, the look on Edward's face is like, I'm in trouble, fuck, right? Like any man would think if if someone like Bella looked at them like that, like I fucking know. And she walked past him and he's like, fuck, okay, cool. So he follows her into the forest and then there's that. It's one of my favorite scenes because it's she's figured it out. She's trying to tell him and then he's like, say it out loud and she goes vampire and then he's like, you know, how old am I? How old are you? And then he says, you know, 17. How long have you been 17? A while. The dialogue, the dialogue in the whole movie is great, but this dialogue is, I just, I love it. I love everything about that section. Okay. The next, the next section, maybe not, but this section I loved. Now, then he starts acting like a psychopath. He's like, all right, we well, you know I'm a vampire. And then he starts going, I'm strong. I'm a killer. I'm this. I'm that. And I'm like, calm your farm, mate. Calm down. She's just discovered you're a vampire. You don't have to bare your teeth yet. Just ease her the fuck into it. But no, she, he's like grabbing trees and like throwing them across. And I'm like, "Chick, relax. You can do it in a in a nice way. But he's just like full on about it. And then he says you need to see what I look like in the sunlight and I'm sitting in the cinema and I'm like this is going to be amazing I want to see what he looks like in the sunlight oh my god and then they're like running up the mountain I'm like oh my god what does he look like in the sunlight is he going to burst into flames like what is he going to look like <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then and then oh, he brushes the, the, the fucking voice over <laughs>
1: I didn't know what was going to happen because he's already showing her all his superpowers. I'm like, well, maybe he's just going to burst into flames in front of her. I don't know. But I was like, this is going to be good. And then he steps into the sun and what did we get? Glitter Barbie. That's what we fucking got. Fucking glitter Barbie in the sun. And I was like, that's not a, no, really step into the sun. (laughs) What is it? What What are you trying to show us? And I'm like, no, you can, no, the sparkles, (laughs) no. And then, and then he's got this really serious look on his face. He's like, this is what I am, Bella. And I'm like, you're Glitter Barbie. This is what you fucking are. (laughs) And then he goes, and then he goes, this is the skin of a killer, Bella. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm like, dude, you're, look, I understand because they're porcelain. And so, and, and so it has that kind of effect and the effect did look good, but it was so stupid. Like I, it was the only thing in the whole movie where I'm like, that's actually dumb. Like that's act, like, who? why would you, what would be the point of that?
0: Yeah, no, this scene, you know, this scene played completely different uh, for me because of personal experiences. And I'm going to try and go through this as quickly as possible. I found Edward's rationale for acting like a psychopath as a way to push bella away from him because i can gather all you know you know all the time that he's been alive he's never really gotten close to anybody because he's afraid of hurting them right and bella is the first one to accept him and love him for him and as someone in my life who was looking for that for the for for a large part of my life and until i got it from someone. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to still have that person in my life. That feeling of wanting to repel because you're so scared of opening yourself up to someone, but then to have that someone say, no, I'm not going to run away. I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to stay with you because I want to, and I'm not afraid of who you really are. So Edward's wackadoodle doodle psycho stuff to you played to me as vulnerability, and that scene almost made me cry because of what I have gone through in my life and the individual that I found who said, who said to me, I love you because of who you are, and I'm not going to run away, and you need to understand that. I think also I, I agree with you hundred percent. Like I see that
1: I see like on a serious note, I do see that. Um, the other thing I see is that he loves her so much. He doesn't want to hurt her. So he's trying, yeah, like you said, like he's trying to push her away because it's like he knows that if he fucks up, even a milli, milli milli-centime- centimeter, milli centimeter, like it- he's going to hurt her. He doesn't want to hurt her. So it's like, I love you, but I don't, want to hurt you and so yeah everything you said um i i completely agree with like he's trying to he's scared he's trying to push her away um the other thing i like but he was being truthful he wasn't hiding anything he's like all right now you know i'm a vampire this is everything i can do are you are you scared or are you not scared like i like he laid everything out on the table this is what i can do this is who i am do you still want to be with me and i think a lot of people can take um, can take that with them because a lot of people lie to get into relationships. Uh, a lot of people put up fronts and all that. And it's just like, no, show someone who you really are. And if they accept you, they accept you. And if they don't, they don't. Find someone who will accept you for you, I think, is really the biggest the biggest thing there.
0: Mm-hmm. So after that, uh, sorry, go for it. No, no, no. And, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to get to it. But if you think that that scene broke me, the end with Bella in the hospital bed, I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to die. Uh, (laughs) But 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 for something else, which you'll understand once we get there. Um, But, you know, all in all, I I thought this scene was written very, very well and very, very romantically. And I just want to say something about the about the vampire shining diamond shit. That's stupid. That doesn't make sense. It's dumb, but i I appreciate it because I kind of understood what they were going for. But again, I would have done it differently. Like I probably would have had yeah. it in there, yeah. but I would have done it differently.
1: I wouldn't have had it. I would have chosen something else. It was ridiculous. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. What's the point? Yeah, what is the point? Yeah, I would have had him burn. But, it's not that yeah. I would have had him burn. It's just that it in all the movies the sparkle thing it doesn't make sense there's no point really there's no point to it it's just to put it in there it's just oh that's why they can't go out in the sun it's like well why don't you just uh, there's so no it's stupid
0: it's not because 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 isn't their skin as hard as diamonds is that like is that yeah why they, yeah yeah nice. i think it i think it is i think it is but but is that ever explicitly said in the first film, or is that no, said- no, no?
1: That's way down there. That's not even in the second one. I think uh, oh, it might be in the yeah, it might be in the second one. Okay, uh, when she goes to the Volturi. But um, yeah, it's not the first one at all.
0: Oh, that's a great scene too. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, it's a good scene. Oh. so anyway, I one of my favorite lines in the script because I'm a romanticist at heart
0: is oh, when he yeah, they look. Hope it was romantic.
1: When he's looking at her and he says, you don't know how long I've been waiting for you. And I was like, oh my God. if anybody said that to me, I would die. I would actually die.
0: <laughs> well, actually, you know, that that was very triggering to me for reasons, which of, you know, and we'll just leave it there. because That really rang to me as me saying to myself my entire life, I need somebody who just, gets me for me. And again, I was lucky enough to find somebody who said, you know, I'm here, I'm not going in I'm not going anywhere. And you are beautiful inside and out and you are special. I mean I listen, listen, listen guys. I know this is beginning to sound like a afternoon special, but all the things that have happened to me in the last two years made this film so much more relevant now than it did when I initially watched it.
1: Yeah, movies tend to do that. They tend to, um, when you watch them once and then you watch them 10 years later, It most of the time it is more relevant now because you have a deeper understanding of yourself and right. of what the characters um, are trying to say. And so it kind of triggers you in all different great ways.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Happy
1: triggers, happy triggers. Happy triggers. The one thing I love about this movie, and one of the other things I love, um, and you know I have an issue with this in a lot of movies, but not in this one because the screenwriter did a great job in showing intimacy without resorting to sex. Because a lot of, side note, there are a lot of movies where screenwriters and directors go, How are we going to show these people love each other? Let's just have them having sex. There are so many more different aspects to intimacy. Than the physical aspect, and it shows it in this movie with the scene in the meadow where they're just staring into each other's eyes. That's major intimacy. That's 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 that got me more than a sex scene would get me. You know, because you can just you sh- it can it it shows that they don't even need to be touching each other. They just they're just looking into each other's eyes, and you can see how much they love each other. And it was just a beautiful way that hopefully you know, other movies will take
0: note of showing love. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I mean, you know me, right? If I'm going to have sex in the scene, it has to be inherent to the story and it has to make sense from a story aspect. When I write characters, I don't, I don't um, resort to sex. What I do is I have my character's act a certain way around each other the way that they talk to each other the way that they touch each other the way that they the way that they handle their relationship that is where i get my intimacy that is where i get my intimacy from the only the only time that i put sex in a script is when i absolutely needed needed to make a point other than that i don't use sex in that fashion when i'm Constructing a script.
1: Yeah, if I put it in, which is seldom, if I put it in, I always lead up to it. It's never just like, oh, you know, this person met this person, and in two scenes later they're having sex. No, I all it's there's always a huge lead up of intimacy to get to to get, to get to that stage. But anyway, this movie does a really really good job, and the scenes later on which which um, back up what I'm saying. So moving on in this uh, in the movie. Um, Bella goes to Edward's house and meets the family and uh, Rosalie basically says her piece. Now, would it surprise you if I said Rosalie is my absolute favourite character in the script because she's the only one that says what everybody's fucking thinking and everybody looks at her like, oh, don't say that, Rosalie. Oh, no, no, like she's being bitchy. And I'm like, she's literally saying the truth. She's the only one that's like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to tell you the truth. And what she says is true. It could out them like they just met literally like a week ago. And now he's now he's, he's outed himself. He's outed all them. He wasn't thinking about them. Like I would be pissed off too. And I, but I get the other end where like Carlisle is like, no, 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 he loves her. He loves her. And Rosalie's like, this is dangerous for us. Does nobody fucking see how dangerous it is? Like, I absolutely adore Rosalie. I adore Rosalie until... Breaking Dawn Part 2 when she went weird. But everything before that, she's a great character. She's the only one that's kind of against everyone else, but not in a bad way. She says what people are thinking, and I respect that about her character.
0: Initially, when I saw Rosalie react the way that she did, I was like, this woman is Queen Bits of the Universe. But then all of a sudden I had a voice come into my head and go, "Like, this is that person that i know and i'm like oh yeah this is totally how this person would react and it totally makes sense how rosalie reacts because like you said she's the only one thinking about the larger picture here everyone else is thinking about the now but rosalie is the is the one thinking about the future
1: yeah i mean look there's a there's a scene at the end where um you know they've got to get Bella out because James is cause sort of chasing her down, and you know they they want to lead her off the scent. And Carlyle gives Rosalie Bella's jacket and wants her to like rub it on treat just for the scent thing, just to sort of direct James away from from Bella. And Rosalie's like, no, like why should I do this? And like she's right, like this girl has come in, fucked everything up. Now this vampire is hunting. Her and now she's got to get involved in something that she doesn't even want to get involved in. And her family's like, no, you have to do it. Like, I totally understand why she's like, this is not my fight. I don't know her. Like, five minutes into our family and you're already causing shit.
0: Yeah, but yeah, but technically it wasn't Bella's fault. She didn't know that those fucking, that that fucking pack of vampires was going to show up when they were playing the fucking baseball game. The only reason that the only reason that they showed up is because when the vampires hit the baseball, it sounds like a fucking nuclear explosion. And that's yeah, that's why, true. You know, and that's why they have to wait, uh, which I think is also a great thing from a screenplay writing perspective or um, a book perspective. The only time that the Collins can play baseball is when it's thundering, because when they hit the ball, it's it's so loud that if they were to do it without the thunder, it would it would attract attention.
1: Yeah, I mean, I also find that um, not kind of scientifically accurate because if you can, if you've got, they were playing with wooden vampires, bats.
0: We were talking about fucking. Listen, listen, they have
1: wooden baseball bats. If you can hit a ball so hard that it sounds like thunder, wouldn't the baseball bat like
0: crumble? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, but you're going you're gonna to say this is bullshit. And maybe I'll use it <laughs> as a. As a as a clip. Yeah. This is going to sound so stupid. Yeah. But what if, what if, I can't even say it, it's so stupid, but I'll just say it. <laughs> what if they reinforce the bats? Like, no. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus
1: Christ. Okay, maybe. But wouldn't they just use metal bats? Wouldn't that be better? Yeah. They're off. You that have nothing. Be you fucking have nothing. I got you have nothing. nothing. You got fucking nothing. You can't, you can't, can't say nothing. I can't, I can't, you can't say shit. Can't, We're not even up to the baseball scene yet. Jesus Christ.
0: All right, go, go.
1: Okay, so uh, where are we up to? Okay, so Edward takes Bella up to his room, and she takes a look around, and she says, what are you playing? And he presses. she presses play, and he says it's Debussy. So Debussy is a classical composer. And look. Yeah, he would know that because he's 108 years old. I get it; like that's that's totally plausible. And then she turns around and says, "Claire de Lune is great." How the fuck does a 17 year old know Claire de Lune? Just fucking tell would, me. Just fucking no, tell me. It,
0: okay, okay. If I mean, um, it would have no been way. great. No, but she she doesn't know that. But I'm gonna fix it. Ready? At yeah. the beginning of the film, I would have had Bella get in the car, be playing a CD. And she will be listening to Claire Delune, right? Oh, that's good. Yeah. So yeah. If, you did yeah. That, if you did that, if you set that up in the first scene of the movie, and we backtrack to when Bella finally meets uh, the Collins, she goes upstairs to Edward's room, and they have that exchange. If you did that, that would explain the whole thing away. But without that, you're, without that, you're completely justified to say, um, as great as the script is, that's a hole, needs that that could have been. Easily fixed.
1: I've seen that in a lot of movies where the teenagers are given dialogue and it's like, how would a teenager know that? Like I was was watching something ages ago and one of the teenagers was talking about some book from like the fucking 18th century and I'm like, what? It's like they wouldn't have known that, like a quote or something. And I'm like, screenwriters, fucking think. No, but actually that wasn't Scream, is it? Uh, I don't know I can't remember like but I see it a lot and I'm like oh my god think about it did you know that when you were 17 okay depending on the character if the character is smart and a bookworm and all they do is listen to classical music and watch uh, and read 17th century books okay you've explained that away but there's been no setup to say that Bella would know that again I'm fucking nitpicking. But I'm just – and I've always thought that. Like, how the fuck would she know the name of the – I didn't even know the name of the song until a couple of years ago. Like, it just was like, no, she's 17. She wouldn't know that.
0: No, and actually, um, look, 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 look. Usually on the show, Dean is the one that comes hard and fast with the trivia, but I do have one piece of trivia. The piece of music that Edward plays Bella on his piano is actually a piece of music that the composer of the film – Composed for his wife when they got married, so that piece of music is the actual piece of music that they danced to when when the composer got married to his wife.
1: Um, Um, Okay, I actually told you that, but that's actually not how it is. (laughs) I told you that. So the piece of music. (laughs) Don't cut that out. That's hilarious.
0: No, of course not.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So the Bella and Edward theme that um, Robert Pattinson is really actually playing on the piano because he can play piano, um, that theme was written by the composer to get his wife back. Him and his wife had had a fight and he'd written that to get her back. Oh, yeah. And the Catherine was asking him, do you, have, do you have anything as a theme? And he said, well, I have this and she heard it. She said, "Yes, can I use this?" And he said, "Yes, you can use it." So that's that. That's the story.
0: But didn't he ask? Didn't he ask his wife for permission first?
1: Um, I can't remember. I can't. Re- I mean, he would. He probably would have. But I can't remember that part. I'm not sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Small victories, people. Small, small, small.
1: You, what do you mean, small victory? You have no victories. You've lived. You know, there's no victory for you here. <laughs> but- Take it. On. Put your head down and leave.
0: <laughs> You've had no victory. Oh. This. I'm sorry. I'm why sorry. Are we, so why so, Why do we work together? It's like, <laughs> why
1: do we work together? Because it's hilarious. <laughs> so the next scene is a spider monkey scene, and he ah. takes her into the treetops. What?
0: What? What is it? Okay. Um. You. Okay. So this scene to me before mm. you before you talk about that, this mm. scene to me is very very special because I mentioned up top that I. Um, I I can't remember if I mentioned this up top, but the first time I saw this movie, I ripped it off and I watched it with a cousin of mine. And ever since that, ever since we saw that scene moons ago, my nickname for this particular cousin is spider monkey. And that's the, the spider monkey thing came from this film
1: oh cool so that's kind of nice a nice little little tidbit when you watch the movie it kind of takes you back to to that yeah. kind of scenario
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah very very cool yeah. so i love it when movies do that that's very cool yep anyway um so he takes her into the treetops and <laughs> oh, this is why i didn't like doing this because i love this movie and i'm just shredding it they're in a no. tree Wait, Excuse they're
0: me, in excuse a me well hold <laughs> up. We yeah. are not shredding this movie. We're not shredding it. What are you talking No, about? I'm not.
1: Sh- no, no, I'm not shredding it. I'm just. I'm picking up things that I should not pick up. <laughs> I don't know. So they're in. The- the- they're movie? in a tree. I know. They're in a tree, and Bella says, "This kind of stuff just doesn't exist." And I'm like, Bella, you're in a fucking tree. Climb a tree. <laughs> it exists. <laughs> I just thought they got that so wrong. You're in a tree. No, no, you could have climbed that- it if you wanted to. It exists. <laughs> I don't and know it, what are you talking about Bella?
0: No, but to defend her for a single moment, I think that she was referencing the situation, not the fact that she was in a fucking tree. Well, watching <laughs> it, it didn't, it didn't
1: didn't translate like that. It's like if you're going to say a line of dialogue like that, you better make sure you're in fucking Asgard or somewhere because it just doesn't translate. If you're in a fuck if you're right. standing in a tree, this doesn't happen. Well, it does. There's trees everywhere. People climb trees. Right. Right. But anyway, Anyway, I just thought maybe and like taking her into treetops. I mean, like that's cool, but you're a vampire. Can't you do like other shit? <laughs> I don't
0: know. And you know, and the other thing, how 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 the fuck did she not fall? Like Yeah. Yeah, they were really high. Like really high. Yeah, but yeah, but Edward was booking it and I'm like, how the fuck? I'm like, yeah. I mean, look, look, look. The other, the, the the other, I mean, the, the thing that the thing that backs that up for me is that several times earlier in the film, it is shown that Bella is a klutz. Okay, she falls on ice, she bumps Jacob with a fucking door when she gets the truck. So I'm like, how the fuck yeah. did she not fall? Yeah, but, no, that's you know, true. That's you true. Know, that that's neither here nor there. Let's just enjoy the scene for its awesomeness
1: yeah like it was was a really cool scene yeah it was a cool scene and this is the first time I've ever this has ever come into my head watching this movie that would have been a perfect time for their first kiss how cool would that have been they're in the treetops it's romantic there's nobody around that first kiss should have been there and instead we fucking got what we got we'll get to it we will get to it but Mm -hmm. it should have been in the treetops and now we get to the second cafe scene so Charlie's in there, Bella comes walking in, and then he says, and I've never noticed this before, but because I'm pulling apart Twilight, I was like, what?
0: You're not he goes, pulling it apart.
1: Well, in my mind, I kind of am, because yeah. I did not enjoy watching Twilight this time. This is the first time I've ever watched it, and I didn't enjoy it because I was fucking picking it apart. Like I'm, like I'm picking olives and anchovies off my fucking, like, pizza. Like, no. <sighs> so anyway, Bella sits down. Charlie's already there. And he says, I ordered you the Spanish salad. Let me tell you something. If I walked in and my friend was there and they fucking said to me, I ordered you the Spanish salad, I would fucking get up and fucking leave. Because nobody is going to order me a fucking salad. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I was like, I, like if I was out with you someone you're like oh, I ordered you a salad I'd be like, tell me you're fucking joking right? Tell
0: me you're joking. First of all, first of all, I know I know you well enough not to ever fucking do that. That's stupid. You don't you don't do that to somebody unless you know them unless they unless they're your they are your fucking wife.
1: Please nobody ever order me a fucking salad. I'm a burger and fries girl like all the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah a woman after uh, our, you know my own heart i mean yeah, when when no. we do meet when we do meet a person one day the first thing that i'm going to want from you is i'm going to want to go to mcdonald's and just have a, a burger <laughs> yeah. and some fries with you
1: yeah yeah so the next scene is the kissing scene mm-hmm. i i think they should have kissed in the treetops but I like the kissing scene because again it shows intimacy without showing much physical intimacy. So it shows how much they want to each other. It shows their attraction to each other. It it is it's a bit slow but I like that it's slow because they're taking their time. It's not just "cool. You just wait and I'm going to kiss you." So it's really, it builds up the tension
0: it's for me. and I, I actually.
1: It's, it's agonizing, but I feel like in a sexual tension kind of way. I really liked it. I really, really liked the kissing scene. And obviously yeah. when Edward backs off because he he's stronger than her and he was basically, I mean, he knows his, I mean, even though it was just kissing, he knows that he could hurt her. And so he backs off. And then again, it shows intimacy with them just lying down. He's he, She's just lying in his arms. And they're not doing anything, but they're both like that's, there's no other place on the planet that they would rather be. And I, I love that again, intimacy without sex.
0: You know, it's, you know, it's such a wonderful thing. I mean, as a writer, I always, well, I, I spend my entire career trying to invoke, in, you know, intimacy without sex. So I am very, very partial to putting my, to, to putting characters of mine in intimate situations, like having them play cards on a bed or having them lie in bed, and watch something on TV or even, or even with the way that they move and they speak to each other. And this scene between uh, Edward and Bella was just wonderful because like you said, there was, in, there was intimacy all over the place, but there wasn't any sex. And the thing that really brought it home is the kissing scene. I, which which i thought was agonizing but it was needed uh at this point in the film like you i would have had them kissing the fucking tree but hey we you can take we can take what we get at this point
1: yeah yeah so i actually really enjoy that scene so the next scene is the infamous baseball scene which has the perfect song "Supermassive black hole by muse which is just perfect over that now I'm going to give you some trivia on the baseball scene the baseball scene was the first scene that they shot and initially when they shot it it was raining uh and the makeup on all the actors was kind of rolling down their face and I think the the, one of the producers said to Catherine look do you want to just not do you want to film something else and she goes no we've got everything set up and Catherine said let's just put hats on them So that's why all the Cullens are actually wearing hats by Edward. They're all wearing hats. Bella's wearing a hat. Everybody's wearing a hat because it was raining and they had to keep their faces clean and their makeup clean. And it is actually raining in the scene. It's just that it takes a lot of rain to show up on camera. So I guess if you squint, you could see the rain, but that's why they're wearing hats. And that was the first, the scene um, they shot. I love the baseball scene. I wish it was longer. And uh, this is when the bad guys show up. This is when the bad guys show up, and they fucking just ruin everything. And then James gets a whiff of Bella, and then James starts hunting her. Did you like
0: the baseball scene? Yeah, I actually love baseball. So to me, it really. Oh happen.
1: yeah, Yankees, right? Oh, you little.
0: <laughs> I, I, no, I was gonna, I did, you know, I, you, know I was, you know, I was gonna say something, but I'm not gonna. I, I, I was inches away from saying it, but I'll, I'll tell you what I'm, just say. Later, okay, (laughs) Um, but I love baseball. I like like baseball is my second favorite sport, and to me, it wouldn't be logical for them to play baseball without caps. Like, like Mm. why wouldn't you have caps on when you're playing baseball? It, It that's like second nature to me. But the fact that the director had to use caps for, had to have them wear caps for a practical reason because it was raining during the scene. I thought it was wonderful, so I thought that was a very, very interesting twist of fate.
1: Yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoy that scene. I think it's just, it's just great. So moving on, James has got the Bella's scent. He's hunting her, and uh, we get to the uh, dance studio. So she's going to the dance studio, and she gets in there, and she hears her mum's voice, and she kind of. I think she like goes around a corner, opens a cupboard and she sees a a videotape playing of her when she was little and her mum was talking and she's like, Oh shit, my mum's not even here. And that's when kind of James goes, ha ha. I tricked you. My issue with this is where did the tape come from? This is 2008. Nobody uses VHSs anymore. Why is there a VHS player in the dance studio? why is it like on display where did the vhs tape come from did james search the entire house for a fucking random vhs tape and he would have had to check the tape so does bella have a vhs tape in her house like i don't again i'm nitpicking but i don't understand
0: i think i think he got that equipment from the studio i don't think he i don't think he went into bella's house and found the vhs stuff at bella's house i think all that was in the studio and the way that i can explain that away as a as a writer i mean it's flimsy but the way that i would do it, it was like the studio is old so it makes sense that they would have vhs's of all their past students i don't know why they would but it kind of it's kind of explainable if you think of it like that
1: i mean i guess but like that he would still have to look it look through the vhs tapes to see yeah, which one
0: not? he's a fucking vampire so he can speed through that shit <laughs>
1: I'll let you have this. Okay, you have this one. I'll let you have this one. Okay. Not many times do I let you have it, but you have this one. (laughs) So there's a whole scene where there's a vampire fight, and then James bites Bella, and the venom goes in, and then Edward has to sort of like suck the venom out, and all that shit. Then they kill, they behead James. They kill James. He's dead. And then we get to the hospital scene. So the hospital scene is interesting because she wakes up. And you know her mum's there, and oh, Edward's asleep, which we know he's not because he said previously he doesn't sleep. So Bella knows he's bullshitting. Anyway, she has this long scene with her mum, which is a nice, cute scene. And then her her mum leaves, and then Edward's right there next to her bed, and he basically says he's going to leave because he needs, he wants to protect her. He loves her, wants to protect her, and her reaction. She basically has a conniption fit when he says I'm going to leave, which smells like codependency to me. I'm not an expert, but that's what it smells like. Uh but that's for another conversation, but her reaction is so for me over the top. Like I get they love each other, but it's just it's like this weird visceral reaction she had to what he said.
0: Yeah, to me, I mean, look, look, I mean, most of the most of the triggering stuff for me in this film has been happy for the most part. But this scene really, really pissed me off because I had a conversation with a friend of mine earlier this year where, I mean, you know, and she said something to me that really, really cut deep. And it was that moment where I really understood that I was becoming codependent on this person for my own happiness. And it scared the ever-loving shit out of me because I'm like if this person's if if this person leaves me am I going to be able to pull myself back up again but long story short I this person is still in my this person is still in my life I adore her to pieces and if she leaves one day I will be sad I'll be broken but I I but I will get over it and I will be okay so that scene for for me would when Bella said you have to stay with me, you can't leave, terrified me to bits, to, to bloody bits. Because I was I, I was in that position with this particular individual, and I'm so happy that I'm past that and I'm no longer that reliant on the friendship with this individual. And 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 as a result, I think I can be a better person and a better friend to them because of it.
1: Yeah, so I mean look I I did understand that scene as well I understood that like she loved him and she was like we just got together like I love you like you're not going to go anywhere I just thought the reaction was a much. bit over the yeah it was I mean it was a bit it was it was a bit over the top and it was it did scream a little bit like codependency and um like like I'm going to die if you're not here and that's not like you just said like that's not good to put all your happiness Onto one person, and if they're not there, you're depressed. That's that's not good. But this—that's a conversation. That's another conversation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, people. I mean, people come into your life. For people come into your life for various for various reasons, and the way it should be is people should lift you up, and make you realize your own self worth. So when those people leave for whatever reason, you can still stand up on your own two feet. You shouldn't rely on people Mm -hmm. for your happiness. You should be happy yeah. for yourself. Yeah, yeah.
1: You, you should uh, generate your own happiness. And, you know, if somebody specific person is not in your life, then, you know, you should still kind of retain mm-hmm. retain that. But anyway, it's her reaction that kind of got me a bit like nah. yeah. um, Is there anything else you want to say about that scene?
0: No, I, you know, and uh, again, um, for me, for me also besides Terry besides terrifying me to death because I realized what I was doing at one point in a friendship. It also really, really made me understand how lonely I was and how much I needed someone to be there, not to love or not to marry or not to have sex with, but how much I needed companionship and how much I was missing it and how important it was to me, which also, scared the shit out of me so i guess so so i guess what i want to say is that that scene was really well constructed but to me it just triggered me to to all hell and it took me a while to come to, to come back down
1: i feel like this movie is
0: triggering you a lot yeah but all happy triggers except for that one
1: yeah yeah happy triggers happy triggers so moving on uh we're at the dance so Edward and Bella go to the dance. Bella's not happy about being there because it's so not her thing, and Edward's like, but you know, prom is a rite of passage, you have to come. The thing that I love about this scene. Did you want to
0: say something? Um, yeah, I have another triggering event about this scene. Mm-hmm. Go. I actually went to prom because the only reason I went to prom um is because my friend, my best friend at the time wanted to go to prom. I never wanted to go to prom in my life, and the person that I went with uh is a family friend but it's one of the most it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my fucking life so when i saw this scene i was like oh my god why are you doing this to me now i'm like why because because this is one of the most embarrassing i mean it's not embarrassing but i really it, it made me really wish that i had been a different person in high school and then yeah. I had been that I had been more out outwardly going The thing that drove me crazy is a couple weeks later. I was talking to a girl that I had feelings for and I said, I went to the prom with this specific person and she goes, why the fuck didn't you call me? I would have gotten a dress and we would have gone together. And I was like, what? How did you? And I'm like, and she's like, I know how you feel about me, you idiot. All you had to do was ask me, and I would have gone. And I'm like, uh, just fucking. I I just want to go into the hole. I just want to dig a hole, die. I just I, die. I, I just want to just, just kill it. yourself. Yeah, I just Sorry. I just want to fucking dig a hole and yeah. fucking die. Yeah. But but other than that, I found this scene to be wonderful, especially when they go into the gazebo, and Bella is basically begging to be turned into a vampire, and I'm like, girl. You need to enjoy your fucking life for now, because you don't understand what, how much it's gonna fucking hurt to be turned into one of these vampires. And yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so th- this relationship to me in this film is crafted very, very well. But there are things about it that that make me go: Bella is psycho, and she's not really, she's not really looking at the 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 logic of what this relationship could do to her i think she's just so happy and so overwhelmed that she's not looking at the big picture like um like that one corn member family is looking looking at the big picture i mean
1: she doesn't eat so she's not going to miss food that would be the biggest thing for me like like do you want to be a vampire yes oh fuck! Uh, like the food would stop me i we're like, oh, man, I don't – oh, yeah. And they're like, yeah, but you're not going to want it. And I'm like, but aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, the food thing would kill me. But the thing I love about the dance scene is they go in and there's lights and there's people and it's loud and it's noisy and Edward can tell that Bella just does not it's, does not want to be there. And so picking up on her energy, he takes her out the back to the gazebo where they could just be the, together. So and that's – and yeah, and that's when – she t- kind of takes a breath and goes, Oh, I feel so much. Like she doesn't say it, but you can see that she just, she's not a, a people person, right? She doesn't want to be yeah. in like crowded environments. So when he did that, she didn't even need to say anything. He was like, Okay, I get it. I know she, okay, let's just go out here now. And I loved that. It was people, if you're in relationships, pick up on your partner's energy, <laughs> please. <laughs> it will, it will, it will be far better for you. But I love the scene in the gazebo. Um, yes, Bella is very, very much, she, she lives in her emotions. So I was like, I want to be my now. And Edward's like, just wait, just see, because Edward's been alive for so long. He has time. He, he, he has patience. He's learnt patience. She hasn't learnt patience, but I, I love, love it when he goes, okay, you ready? And it's like, she's like, yeah, I'm ready. And he goes and he kisses her neck gently and he pulls back. And I thought, it's beautiful because only a few scenes ago he was like you're like heroin to me and the fact that he had so much restraint even tasted he's tasted her blood even even then it showed how much he loved her because it's like he just restrained himself so much like he wants her so bad he wants to drink her blood so bad but his love overrides his need to feed that rhymes mm-hmm. but it's true
0: Yeah it's uh, you know you know it's a uh... It's a wonderfully crafted scene, and it's directed very, very well. But the thing that works is it is the is the things that are are not said, like when he dips Bella and he kisses her neck gently. It's so romantic, and I'm like, ah, oh, just take my money right now. I love <laughs> yeah. this.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so that's the final scene of the movie, and then uh, Victoria shows up and Victoria's all bent out of shape because they killed James. And then she kind of walks off and it kind of opens it up for the next movie. So, you know, she's going to be in it, you know, all that shit. And then that's the, that's the end of the movie. And I think it ended really well.
0: Yeah, it did. Um, Look, 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 I, I really, really enjoyed this movie, but like you for the first time in our podcast, I really wish I would, I really wish I didn't pick this movie (laughs) because what this movie did to me It was good, but it 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 made me realize how far I've come as a person. And I look, look, look. I'm I'm still not perfect, but I have come so so far than the person I used to be. And yes,
1: oh yeah, of course you have.
0: That to to me, that to me, the best films, good films, make you realize something about your own experience, or they make you realize you know um things about your own life and then make you either want to fix them or make you want to you know change something about your life and if film can if film good when film can do that it reminds me why i love the medium so much
1: yeah when you get a film that's written like that and directed like that and does everything it's supposed to do and hits all the marks i mean yeah it reminds you why you get into it not like last week's movie but this movie reminds you yes
0: yeah um so guys i i hope that you enjoyed um this marathon of us taking you know taking apart twilight um you know section by section i can't guarantee if we're gonna talk about the other ones we're likely not gonna do that but um if you like this episode, uh please leave us a like, a comment, or um excuse uh, me, I got my trivia. Oh yes, your trivia. I'm sorry. Excuse oh, me? Listen,
1: going. listen, that <laughs> that that victory you had before, I'm taking it away. It's gone. I deserve that. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I completely forgot excuse that. Excuse me. Hello. 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 I put I put I put at least 10 minutes of work into this trivia, okay? I should I need to be heard.
0: Okay, take it, okay. floor. <laughs> I'm forgot. <sorry>. I totally <laughs> forgot I'm sorry.
1: Are you ready for this trivia? Go. Okay, number one, the movie was shot in 48 days. What? Which is not long. It's not long. 48 Whoa, days. Really? Yeah. That, oh, that's yeah. Efficient. That's efficient. That's efficient, yeah. Everything had to be super quick. So you'll like this. Henry Cavill, which for people that don't know Superman, that's was Stephanie that's Meyer's that's first choice to play Edward. Oh, my God. But he he was offered the part, but had to turn it down because he was contracted to The Tudors, which is one of my favorite shows. Also, Stephanie's first pick for Emmett was Tom Welling, which is for people that don't know, oh he's my also God. Superman. <laughs> so oh my she must God. like she must have a thing with Superman. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Um, Brie Larson, who is uh, oh, what's her name? Pardon Captain pardon?
0: Marvel.
1: Captain Marvel, sorry. Brie yeah, Larson auditioned for the role of Bella Oh wow Okay, Interesting right So this is the last review I have for you mm. Jennifer Lawrence and Michelle Trachtenberg Were considered for the role of Bella oh, Can you imagine god. Dawn playing Bella I would have fucked me up Oh my god Oh my god <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fuck no Oh my Wait god a Wait a minute <laughs> my head just blew off okay look. i look 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 i am a dawn apologist i actually like dawn but dawn from buffy been... the vampire slay series yes. for people yes. that don't know yes that would have fucked me up that would have that fucked me up more
1: <laughs> <laughs> i would have been like oh fuck no
0: that would have seriously seriously fucked me up um i do have a small piece of trivia. Well, I do have a small tip, but it's not trivia. Go for it. um, Okay. So, the screenplay writer of this film, after she um, completed the three Twilight films or the four Twilight films because the the last one was broken up into two parts a la Harry Potter, uh, uh, the Twilight franchise made her the highest paid female screenplay writer at the time. So, really, that's good. Yeah, this this franchise really elevated her profile to the point where, uh, when Marvel wanted to do their first try at TV for Netflix, she was handpicked by uh, Jeff Loeb, the uh, the the guy who produced Agents of Shield, Luke Cage, mm-hmm. uh, Daredevil for Netflix. She was handpicked by Jeff Loeb to showrun and create uh jessica jones which stars Kristen ritter wow yeah wow yeah she's quite she's quite good yeah also also before doing twilight she was a writer and and a producer on dexter the original series
1: oh very cool very cool see i didn't know that hey i i I got one Woo! okay that's the end of trivia i have nothing else to say you can you can end it (laughs) are you sure Yes, I've done I've I've done. I've done. After an hour and 51 minutes, I'm fucking so done with Twilight. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, guys. So um, I hope you all enjoyed this conversation. And if you choose to come back next week, uh, we will be covering the film uh, Existence. So um, with that being said, as always, thank you so much for listening. And please remember... If someone is kind enough to make you a mixtape one day, that must mean that they truly do love you.
1: The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.